inviting me back. I want to uh, thank Reverend Barney for reaching out and uh, arranging this uh, return engagement. I'm happy to be with you. I know that your theme this month is faith. So I'm going to upset the apple cart a bit and speak about something that's often considered erroneously the opposite of faith, namely doubt. Uh, doubt is a naughty word in many religious and spiritual circles. It's considered an obstacle, a distraction, an impediment. And where there's orthodoxy and cultishness, it's often treated as some kind of disease, a weakness of character. Those who doubt are often ostracized or singled out, sometimes for abuse, sometimes to be re-educated. Historically, those who express doubt about dogma, doctrine, have been labeled heretics. The very words heresy and heretic have ominous overtones. They make me think of danger, either danger to the institutions that are being questioned or danger from the institutions, which was the usual situation, and we all know that Terrible things have been done to people who have been called heretics. But I want to speak out on behalf of heresy and doubt. Doubt can be a catalyst for spiritual growth. Doubting can be the beginning of a process that, if it's handled well, can lead to spiritual maturity, and, somewhat ironically, to a higher and deeper and more authentic kind of faith. So I encourage everybody to be a heretic, but this is, this is what I mean by that. The typical dictionary definition of heretic is one who dissents from an accepted belief or doctrine. In our world, modern world, pluralism, and rationality, science, only truly orthodox believers, fundamentalists, fanatics, who would argue that objecting to or expressing doubt about religious dogma is a bad or dangerous thing necessarily. But if you delve into the deeper meaning of heretic, you find that the word derives from the Greek hereticos, which means able to choose. Think of that, able to choose. Is that not a good thing? What could be more American than the ability to choose? 
the early settlers braved the treacherous seas to practice what were called heresies, where they came from. The founding fathers basically installed the right to heresy, the ability to choose in our founding documents. Freedom of religion, freedom of expression. By that definition, Socrates was a heretic. Galileo was a heretic. Martin Luther was a heretic. Jesus himself, for God's sake, literally, for God's sake, was a heretic. Expressing doubt and disagreement about prevailing dogma of the time and acting in accordance with those that question and that dissent. To the extent that religion and spirituality evolved, it's largely because people who we could call heretics exercised that ability to choose, rose up, and challenged prevailing dogmas rather than uh, succumbing and adhering to orthodox beliefs just as a, a matter of faith or out of fear. Reforms are made by people who question beliefs that don't hold up under scrutiny or run counter to available evidence or don't match uh, personal experience. This process doesn't necessarily only tear down existing articles of faith, but it opens the way for new interpretations and deeper truths to be revealed. And that counts not only on a collective level, institutional level, but for us as individuals. And the truth is, in, in recent decades, many of us have become heretics exercising the ability to choose. We wouldn't necessarily use that term. But it's characteristic of this age of personal choice and spiritual exploration. Uh, so common, in fact, that a well-known journalist wrote a book a few years ago called The Age of Heresy. He didn't like it. He didn't like these trends. He didn't think it was a good development that institutional religion was being questioned and people were making decisions for themselves. I think it's great. I think it's evolutionary. I think it's creating a new spiritual landscape. And I think it's necessary. As individuals, we progress along the spiritual path when we can start thinking for ourselves and make wise, mature decisions about our spiritual path. That entails carefully examining truth claims, dogmas, and questioning beliefs and precepts that don't necessarily seem to stand up in the light of reason and science and history and our own experience. 
doesn't mean we, we need to reject all spiritual claims that can't be proven. That's the, the definition of faith is evidence of things that can't be proven or acceptance of things that can't be proven. That would leave out if we if we rejected if we if we only counted on science and logic to uh, verify spiritual wisdom, we would have to leave out a great deal that exceptional human beings have uh, discovered and passed along to us. However, claims that run really counter to facts and evidence deserve to be questioned and in some cases rejected. Doesn't mean we have to reject everything. Doesn't mean we have to reject spiritual authority figures. We all need teachers who know things we don't. But we can choose teachers and institutions and other sources of authority that encourage us to think for ourselves, that encourage freedom of inquiry, that encourage us to examine precepts with rigor and discernment and humility. In the Bhagavad Gita, in fact, uh, we are advised to approach the wise, those who can enlighten us, with humility and a spirit of service, and thorough inquiry, sometimes translated as repeated inquiry. So doubt can be good. It can lead to great questions and great angles of inquiry. And if we pursue it with honesty and rigor and openness, it can lead to breakthroughs and new levels of spiritual growth. None of which means that faith is a bad thing. In fact, I think it's, it's vital. It's a necessary component of a strong and vigorous spiritual path. But it can't be blind faith. It can't be forced. It can't be faked. It can't be coerced. We don't come to true faith by suppressing our doubt or feeling guilty or inadequate or raising questions in our minds about certain precepts or people or institutions. We need a mature faith, deep faith, authentic faith. And that can come to us after we go through the crucible of doubt courageously and come out on the other side stronger and wiser. In other words, by being a heretic and exercising our ability to choose, but in a wise and careful way. It's been said that faith is the quality that converts hope into courage. And we need courage on the spiritual path. We need it to 
plumb the depths of the deepest mysteries when we don't know where we're going or what the outcome will be. We need courage to keep at it when the people around us think we're the lead. We need courage to press on when we're undergoing a, a dark night of the soul. We need courage to look honestly at our own shortcomings, our own flaws and foibles that hold us back on the path. We need courage to face up to change, to face up to uncertainty, and keep moving ahead. We need courage to deal with spiritual, what seem to be spiritual setbacks and disappointments and the feeling that we're not advancing quickly enough, wondering, will I ever find God? Will I ever be enlightened? Am I good enough? Am I trying hard enough? Am I trying too hard? Am I hanging around with the right people? Am I in the right affiliation? Such moments are inevitable if we're honest with ourselves and diligent about our spiritual lives. So we need faith, but not faith, not blind faith in, in dogma, in everything that we're told is true. We can instead aspire to a deeper kind of faith, a kind of faith that leads us beyond mere belief. spiritual experience, a kind of faith that fuels our courage and gives us the determination to make tough decisions, take risks, and keep on moving ahead on the path, keeping on learning, keeping on growing. There's a scholar of religion named Wilfred Cantwell Smith who wants to define faith in this way. Quote, an orientation of the personality to oneself, to one's neighbor, to the universe. A total response. A way of seeing whatever one sees and of handling whatever one handles. Capacity to live at more than a mundane level see, to feel, to act in terms of a transcendent dimension. Unquote. That kind of deep faith, holistic faith, complete faith, comes from courageous questions. Socrates said that the unexamined life is not worth living. We could also say that the unexamined belief is not worth believing. What's worth believing are precepts and ideas, concepts that hold up to scrutiny, that are supported by evidence and deep conviction, arrived at honestly. Truth is, there's very few seekers who spend any time on the spiritual path 
who don't eventually, at one point or another, have a crisis of faith. Sometimes many of them. Anyone who says he or she has to have a crisis of faith is either in a state of grace or a state of denial. Crisis of faith can be a sign of spiritual strength, not weakness. It can signify maturity, not deficiency. It can be a stepping stone to higher wisdom. It can prompt a, an evaluation of your own ideas, your convictions, your practices, how you allocate your time, the people you associate with, the community you belong to. Hard thinking, clear thinking, honest, diligent exploration leads you to greater acceptance, can lead you to greater acceptance of something you had come to doubt, or it might lead you to reject that. Something you once accepted on faith and then come, came to doubt and replace that with something more true and more right for you. Ironically, it takes a certain leap of faith to tackle a crisis of faith on head on. You have to have faith that you can resolve the dilemma, that the outcome, whatever it is, will move you along the path more quickly and that you'll be okay and that it's safe to question these precepts, to, to, to doubt and to investigate. We need faith in ourselves and in our sources of knowledge and the choices we make. We have to have faith that we have what it takes to stake a claim to the light, even in the midst of darkness. And we have to have faith that deep down the universe is a friendly place, as Einstein put it, and that we're ultimately okay. And we're moving even through those periods of doubt and uncertainty and crisis of faith in the direction of greater truth, greater love, greater goodness, greater unity. We have to have faith that whatever we think is the ultimate purpose of the spiritual path, grace, salvation, awakening, enlightenment, realization, whatever we call it, is possible despite everything. That's the kind of faith that anchors us, keeps us moving forward, even when our beliefs get upset. And it enables us to face the crucible of doubt without suppressing it, without feeling ashamed of it, and, and to work through the doubt courageously and come out on the other side with a more authentic kind of faith based on hard-earned experience and painstaking inquiry. When we have that faith, when we come to a crossroads on the spiritual path, we can take that leap of faith with confidence, having gone through doubt. That's the value of being a heretic. And if you, in the sense of being able to choose, if you need a familiar role model, Revisit the book of Job, the, the book of Job, if you haven't read it. Job is usually presented as you know, the uh, pinnacle, the exemplar of faith. But if you read the story carefully, he, he's a doubter. He refuses 
to let the Almighty off the hook for what he considers the injustices visited upon him by the cosmos. I mean, terrible things happen to Job, and he's the most pious of men. He does everything right. And when he's told by his pious, true-believing friends that he must be a sinner if, if these things are happening to him, he says, no, I did everything right. And he challenges God. And in the end, he's richly rewarded and beloved of God, not just materially with all of his losses restored to him in spades, but with an incredible vision of the divine that's gifted to him because of his tenacity of spirit. And you have to come away thinking he was rewarded for expressing his doubt, for expressing his concern in an honest and respectful way. And that's what we have to do. So go ahead. Feel comfortable with your doubts. Use them as stepping stones on your path. And once again, I thank you for having me here. I hope someday to see you in person should I get to uh, Ohio. And I hope I do. And uh, in the meantime, blessings.